Welcome to Galaxy of Toys special coverage of Seattle Ice 2013. Ice stands for International Collectors Event. It took place August 30th through September 3rd in the Seattle, Washington area. This event was organized and run by Star Wars fans and collectors. All of your regular co-hosts were at the show and we did some fun interviews and got to talk to a lot of people associated with the event. Let me give you a quick rundown so you have at least some idea of what, what went down before we start the interviews. Friday, August 30th, opening night party at Wine World and Spirits, followed by some room sales at the Hyatt House. Saturday, August 31st, was a toy run at Sucher and Sons Star Wars Store in Aberdeen, Washington, and Lynn's Toy Stable in Tacoma, Washington. Later that evening, we met at the Lake Kathleen Cantina Bottoms Up Bash a party and tour of Tom and Michael Stewart's Star Wars collection. Also that night was a Star Wars-focused craft show. Sunday, September 1st was a Kessel Run, a light-speed visit to some of Seattle's most impressive personal Star Wars collections, followed by a party and tour at the Boba Cabana, Gus Lopez's home and collection. Monday, September 2nd, was the 30th anniversary Return of the Jedi screen, presented in its original format, 35mm, that was held at the North Bend Theater in North Bend, Washington. Later, the Death Star Theater Open House. It was a party and tour of Vic Wirtz and Lisa Stevens' collection and home. Tuesday, September 3rd, the EMP Sci-Fi Museum Tour in Seattle, Washington, followed by the Empire Strikes Bach Closing Night Party a party and tour of Lauren and Nancy Bach's Star Wars collection. Joining us for the show, as usual, from MyGroupStarWars.com, our OT curmudgeon, Tom, from Bendems to the Black Series, he collects them all, Ryan, and from JediBusiness.com, Chris B. All right, so... Will you get on with it? Okay, okay. Day four of ICE, we were treated to a couple of things. A special screening of Return of the Jedi in its original 35mm format, unaltered. The same film from, you know, 30 years ago. But before the film started, and we'll talk about the film later, but before the film started, we were treated to a preview cut of Brian Stillman's Plastic Galaxy, the story of Star Wars toys. And... With us right now is Brian Stillman. Brian, it was so much fun to watch, what do we see, 40 minutes of the movie? And it was a good time. And tell me, how do you feel now that uh, a large, uh, kind of a, you know, a, a, at least a large room full of people have, has seen your film? Well, first, I think it's important to point out that uh, our own Jason Luttrell was in it. And he was uh, awesome. It should be called The Jason Story, kind of like one of those sports epics where in the end he dies of Star Wars disease, collector's disease, too much plastic inhalation. Um, truly a heart, heart-wrenching tale of glory. It was nerve-wracking watching like other people watch the movie for the first time. It was, like you said, it was 40-something minutes, um, a work-in-progress cut, which means there are all sorts of little things in it that only I'm going to pick out as problems, but in my head, everybody seeing them, like every wonky edit, every sound glitch, every bad color, color grading, everything. Um, but it was also really like invigorating because people seemed to like it, which was great. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it's an optimistic, like gives me the sort of optimistic push as we get to the, 
last few weeks of editing. So it was it was a thrill. It was really really exciting. It was it was fun, and it was fun to see see myself uh, talking. I, I looked at my wife um, and I said, you know. I don't remember what I said when they interviewed me, and I hope I didn't say anything stupid or factually inaccurate because the people that are watching this movie are going to know if you say something that's not right. Fortunately, it was just kind of like my memories and like my memories of being a kid, and I didn't have to explain the intricacies of of any of the production or anything like that, which I would not have been able to do. Also, uh, we saw a couple clips of Tom, OT curmudgeon over there. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was fun to see him too. So I should put out one quick thing. You mentioned your wife. She, uh, I guess might've had to leave early or something. She said she might have to go. And I told her, I said, look, keep it to yourself, but wait 45 minutes before you go anywhere. Wink, wink, like big, heavy eyeball winking. So I made sure that she, she got to see you on screen. Yeah. And thanks for giving her the heads up on that. To be honest, she was going to not watch Return of the Jedi because she I think she'd seen it enough and she had really little interest in watching it again. So I think she was uh, once she watched the, the, the preview from your film, it, she just decided to stay for Jedi. So worked out. George owes me. Yes, he does. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Brian. Day, day three of the event, we were at world-famous collector Gus Lopez's house at his grand reopening of the Boba Cabana. And Jake from Verlomkis, what, how, is, how is the party? Oh, let me tell you, the, the Boba Cabana, Gus Lopez's collection, is one of the most amazing collections on display that's not in a museum in the world of Anything Star Wars, we're talking production pieces for toys, we're talking um, props from the movies, we're talking screen use, production pieces, you name it, he's got it on display. And not only is it just in cases, but it's beautifully displayed, it's beautifully framed, it is highlighted, it is, he, is a muse- he has a museum to himself almost unlike any other. And it was absolutely a surreal occasion to walk around with so many of the world's leading collectors, people that can appreciate the stuff. You know, at one moment, Pete Vilner was uh, talking to me uh, with Steve Sansweet while uh, Arnie and Marjorie from Star Wars Action News were next to me. You know, I was just surrounded by all these people that know just tons of stuff, sharing and all there for the passion of Star Wars in any form. I mean, it wasn't just prop collectors who were there there were toy collectors there were costumers there was it was an amazing experience and so if ever given the opportunity to tour boba cabana the newly revamped boba cabana i would highly suggest it because it's one of a kind experience thank you jake from forlompkiss.com one of the highlights of the late kath Kathleen Cantina event was the Sarlacc Sail Barge Cake. Our good friend Jim actually created and baked the cake, designed it. I believe a good chunk of, of the whole the whole thing. Jim, if you could, could you just explain to us what goes into making a cake like that, and when, and when did you come up with the idea for it? About six months ago, Amy and I were sitting at a Sarlacc meeting, and I was talking about different things that I could make, and uh, the topic of a cake came up, and she. And I were like, hey, what kind of cake should I do? And the, the Java the Hut cell barge uh, came in the conversation. I got really excited because I just was starting to learn how to do this new type of sugar art called gum paste work. And I set it, set my sights on going with a cell barge. And then the, uh, the idea of making it into a diorama where I did a cake with a, with a sarlacc pit and, and the, the, the skiff with 
Lando hanging off of the ship with Han trying to pull him back up and Chewie holding his legs all of a sudden like just developed in my mind. And so I set about, uh, set about going uh, through the process of designing and uh, creating the sail barge, which is the part that took the most time. So the sail barge that I made was a two and a half foot uh, long replica of the sail barge. And it was, uh, I got a bunch of schematics all online and uh, cut them out of foam board and stood them up so that I had a, I had a, uh, an underneath form and then I laid sugar paste over it and then did all the detail work out of sugar paste uh, about two weeks ago. And then from that point to now, I, I uh, <clears throat> airbrushed it brown and dried the sails and made the masts and put it all together so it looked really nice. And then uh, about uh, three or four days before the convention, uh, we, me and a friend of mine got together and we baked nine sheet cakes and stacked them up in a big square and then began to sculpt the cakes into sand dunes with a, with a sarlacc pit. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we used 14 pounds of frosting, uh, 16 boxes of box cake, uh, nine pounds of sugar that went into the cake and into the, into the uh, uh, frosting, and a heck of a lot of butter. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Jim. And man, the, the cake just, it's hard to even explain how cool it was. Tom, did you have any of the cake? And uh, what'd you think? It was delicious. I loved it. The white cake was my favorite. And I had a little bit of the sarlacc. It was slimy, stinky goodness. Yeah, the cake really looked just like kind of a, almost like a, a really elaborate diorama. And I think a lot of people were scared to even cut it to start eating it because it looked so cool. I don't think anybody wanted to. Uh, to, to, to break into it. Yeah, the details. I think, um, you know, Ryan posted some pictures, but the details were just phenomenal. Um, so if you do have a chance, check those out. I mean, pictures don't do any of this justice. I mean, you've got to be here, but this is kind of the next best thing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, and uh, like we said, uh, go to our Facebook page and look for, look for photos of it because we do have them up. And we're we're now talking to Gus Lopez, kind of one of one of the one of the individuals who kind of started the whole idea of this event. And Gus, uh, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on on your thoughts when you were putting this together. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was you know the collectors had met at prior conventions. We the collectors love hanging out together, but you know we actually rarely get a chance to see each other's collections. Um, and this, this, there's a, there are a lot of collectors in the Seattle area, so that this was a great opportunity to really plan for an event that's almost like a convention without a convention. Uh, and that was really the, the idea, is get a lot of collectors in from out of town, give people advance warning, like we gave like a year notice to save the date, and line up a lot of great events and do you know, what is a massive amount of teamwork in terms of volunteering and artist work and, and sponsorship, all these hosting, these events that came together. So we really wanted to see if, if we could do something that would be compelling enough to get people from out of town. And uh, this was the grand reopening of the Boba Cabana. There's hardly even words to express how amazing the, the collection you have is. What has change since you reopened it what's what's new and, and and what did the collectors who came to the ice event get to see this time that maybe they hadn't seen before well i have uh photos and images of boba cabana from you know for like about 2000 to 2003 up on the web but i haven't updated those in a long time and over the years since you know we've been in our house 13 years you know i started to collect movie props original props from star wars much more extensively, and then Pam started to collect Lilo and Stitch stuff, 
And so when we bought the house, we had plenty of space for our collectibles, but our interests have, have shifted and we needed more space for our, you know, expanded interests. And we also needed, we also want to have entertaining space, you know, for like parties and so on. And so, um, yeah, so we, we created, um, you know, an area that would give us storage, would give us more collectibles rooms. Uh, and then, and then also I think a lot of people really didn't have an idea of, what I had in my collection because they, they're seeing old photos. Many of them had never seen it in person. Um, and I've been fortunate to continue finding some, some, you know, cool things in the last several years. So, so yeah, it was a great opportunity to kind of show that to a lot of people. So this is the first ice event. Uh, do you see this carrying on in the future, either in Seattle or possibly other, other, um, parts of the country or maybe even other, you know, countries? Yeah, we did this uh, with the idea that, um, in the hopes that other areas of the U.S. or even outside the U.S. would try to pull on, pull off a similar event, and that we would share notes. And, and certainly, uh, you know, ma many of the collectors here have friends in their areas. Uh, but we, you know, we gave strong hints, and I know there's been some discussion among the guests of could you do this in a few years in another place. So that's something we'd we'd love it. We'd love to attend, you know, that you know a similar event in another place. Um, and I know there's already some chatter about doing that. Uh, would we do it ever in Seattle? I think you know it's a kind of event. Like I think a lot of people are commenting what a great experience it is. I, I think it'd be tough it, it, to do it like too often here. But I think over some time, you know, maybe down the road, I could see another event in Seattle area. But but for now, you know, I think we're looking to are there other places uh, in the in the U.S. or elsewhere outside the U.S. that could host such an event, um, and and I, you know, I, I'm optimistic. I would say that it's pretty likely that that something like that will materialize. All right, Gus, uh, thanks for taking a little time to talk to us about the ice event. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this is Tom, and uh, I have got Kurt Hanks here, a buddy of mine, who actually created a fantastic premium for ice. He, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to have Kurt uh, explain everything. So uh, real quick, Kurt, uh, are you having a good time? Oh, I'm having a great time. This thing turned out uh, way beyond my expectations. Um, you know, we started planning this about a year ago, and we started coming up with concepts for giveaways and merchandise, mostly swag. We thought about things that we could just give to people. We weren't going to, to charge for much. But um, one of the earliest concepts we were, that was brought up was to do a version of the original Palatoy Death Star, uh, which is a, a chipboard um, sort of hemisphere of the Death Star, much different than the American version, the Kenner version of the Death Star playset. So that was one of the ones from the late 70s, right? Yes, right. That's, that's vintage, a vintage playset from... Um, it was distributed by Palatoy in uh, Europe. Uh, I don't know if it was just, uh, maybe just British. Yeah, British is Palatoy. And um, it was also available in Australia under Toll Toys. And Kenner Canada also produced one as well. But um, it's it's a really neat playset that uh, to U.S. collectors, it's it's something that's just so different from what we used to we saw when we were growing up so it's always been a piece that i really admired and the thought of reproducing something like that uh, a 3d piece that would represent the different homes that were included on the international collectors event weekend the ice weekend uh, there were four different homes that 
the host opened up to people to come visit and see their collections. So we thought about dividing it up into four different sections, each section representing the one of the homes of each of the collectors. So at first we just brought up this idea and we laughed about it and we thought, oh, there's, there's no way we can really do this. It, it's... These are just pipe dreams. But, you know, we kind of did some research and, you know, I, I like a challenge. So I was really intrigued with the thought of illustrating these homes in the style of the old playset. Uh, Kurt, I have to ask you about the box, the design. Um, you got to uh, give us a little insight into this because it's it actually is one of the greatest things about the playset. So tell us about tell us about the box. Well, the original box is, you know, it's typical um, 70s toy style. You know, it's got a big picture of the playset on the front, and it's got a kid playing with action figures in the back. And, uh, you know, he's wearing a red turtleneck sweater. And, you know, the kid looks slightly too old to be playing with toys, but, he, you know, he's still pretty young looking. But, yeah, we, we thought, well, it'd be funny if we can do a package for this thing and, and reproduce it uh, in that style. And somebody said, well where are we going to get a kid? We're going to have to get a kid to look like that. And I thought, you know, let's do better than that. Let's, uh, let's get Gus Lopez to come in and, and pose for that shot. We'd like to reproduce that same box art exactly the same way with Gus in place of the kid. So we thought about it, pulled it off. I invited uh, Gus down to the photo studio at my work. I reproduced the shot in about five minutes and, uh, you know, did a little bit of Photoshop work on it, you know. I took a few years off Gus and made him look a little younger. And <laughs> But uh, the end result was amazing. Uh, Gus could be the grown-up version of the kid on the little on the original box. It really, it really turned out good. Very cool, Kurt. That uh, that sounds awesome. You did a good job. I'm not going to ask you if you're having a great time because I do know that you are. So thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here and being on the podcast. One of the guests here at the ICE event is Alex Bickmore. He's right next to me now. And what are some of the cooler things you've seen? absolutely been a mind boggle as I was just saying when you first walk into Vic and Lisa's house you just your jaw hits the floor you do a complete walk around takes about way to 20 minutes you do another walk around you think you can grasp what you've just seen and about the fourth time you're still just trying to figure out all the amazing stuff that you've just witnessed and it's amazing any any particular items that stick out that's something you you hadn't seen or had always want to see and 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 i and now you've you've seen it i've been around the block a few times for all toy lines prototypes and so forth and for star wars here walking in like i've seen my droids and ewoks and you're always impressed when you see that but this time there were a few things just, there was a laser rifle from Empire Strikes Back, which there's a hard copy, hand painted, all prepared for, you know, for a test market or whatnot. And I've never even seen it in my entire life, let alone that gun style. And it's a full role-playing toy for a child to play with. And I just, you know, once you think you know it all, you will always keep finding new stuff, people's collections or being currently found, which is what keeps this collection, let alone collecting, amazing. That there's always just something around the corner. Um, other things were, uh, I love plush stuff. And uh, there was a plush Ewok with a different cowl from the original Kenner line that we don't know if that was in our character they're thinking about making or just a test sample. And then there's a lot of Power of the Force 2 unproduced plushes, which I wish they made, but from a Tauntaun to a Bantha to a Dewback. It's, and most of these things are just one of a kind. There is one handmade sample of those plush items, and that's it. And once it's locked up, you have to get that sigh of relief of 
Well, it's not going to hurt your wallet, but you'll never be able to hold it, though. Thanks, Alex. Uh, thanks for joining us. And this is Ryan, and we are here with Earl, who is one of the people who, uh, sorry, he was one of the people that helped uh, put on the whole ICE event. He, he was behind the scenes on a lot of this. He's also one of our local Sarlacc collectors. So, Earl, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what went into this ICE event and what what your role has been and what you think of the whole thing. I've been um, on have several responsibilities of mostly coordinating the lists of volunteers and and events and and um, attendees and the lists with labels and all that kind of good stuff. Also been swag wrangler. The thing that I'm most impressed with uh, for the ICE is I didn't realize the perspective of others on how incredible collections we have here in the Seattle area. We have the four main collections that people have seen, but then on the Kessel Run they got to see our smaller collections and I was just impressed that um, collectors from you know around the world here enjoyed seeing even our you know our more modest home collections, um, as well as the you know the huge collections of some of our key events here. It's just been great to to be able to show off to these people to some people that I've known for like you know 12 years since C1 and get them finally to, here in Seattle and be able to show off my collection and then get to talk about other people's collections here and share this with the other key collectors in the around the world. So, uh, yeah, I know the Kessel Run was quite awesome. I was on that. I had several people coming to my place as well. Most of our listeners have heard, have seen what my collection looks like on our Facebook uh, page. Earl, can you tell us a little bit about what's all in your collection? Sure. My collection is kind of creature-focused, more or less, and I have what I call a style of shrine collecting. So I have, like, key figures and characters that I then gather all similar products and that that have come out from around it. For example, I have the big Master Replica AT-AT, and then I've added a variety of AT-ATs around it, from the Adidas shoe AT-AT and the, the handmade perler bead one that, that you made, <laughs> and some smaller ones and, and variations on that, uh, as well as I have like a lot of the, um, the, the life-size Greedo, for example. Greedo is one of my very favorite from Star Wars, and so I was just putting them out and kind of you know, dusting them off and realized I went and counted, and I have over 40 Greedos <laughs> in the Greedo Shrine. And then right next to that is the Jabba Shrine that includes, you know, Jabba's and his uh, his denizen. And so it was just kind of fun to, to be able to gather that up and share it with everyone. So my style is more creature-focused and, and that kind of thing. Well, cool. Earl, thank you for uh, joining us on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about ICE at all? Uh, I'm just hoping that other cities won't be um, intimidated by... <laughs> the scale that we've produced in this and it'd be great to go to other places and visit collections uh, from from different clubs and, and individuals so I hope that this will open up another channel for us to share our collections uh, worldwide. I have to agree with you there Earl. I know I would love to be able to go to one of these somewhere else and, and I know you did a lot more than I ever did but to be able to, to just go to it and enjoy it and not have to do all the extra work that, that goes into creating it and while, while we're here and just being able to be there and enjoy it. So that, that would be awesome. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see that someday. Thanks a lot Earl. I am here with Duncan Jenkins. I think he's got a few things to say about about this amazing, amazing experience here this weekend. Uh, let's hear from him. Yeah, this has been just a fantastic weekend. I've had uh, just one of the best times. I've been to all of the celebrations, and uh, those are always memorable and very enjoyable. But uh, this is definitely ranks right up there as far as a uh, good, excellent Star Wars weekend. The um, attention to detail that people have put into all of the events, the the swag, the um, you know taking care of everybody here, making sure that everybody is having a good time. Uh, it's just been 
above and beyond. I, I've just been blown away with uh, the hospitality and the uh, the great time that I've been having. Cool, Duncan. Yeah, we're, we're definitely all having a great time. Uh, I have a few questions for you. I don't know what they are at the moment. No, let's try it again. <laughs> now, Duncan, I do have to ask you, what do you think up to this point is uh, probably your favorite moments? Well, I really enjoyed getting to watch uh, Return of the Jedi uh, today in the uh, original format in the old-time theater, the Art Deco-style theater. It was uh, just a very nostalgic feel to it. Um, you know, as much as I enjoy the Blu-rays and, and how crisp and those are, uh, this just something about seeing it on celluloid in a real theater uh, with a bunch of Star Wars fans, and so that has definitely been uh, one of the highlights. Um, seeing everybody's collections is has been very cool. I've had such a, a great time with... Um, doing the Kessel Run, which was going to several Seattle collectors uh, around the area, seeing how they display their things. Uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy is to see how somebody can take the same material and come up with a different focus or a different dis way of displaying things. And I really uh, enjoy to see what is it that makes somebody passionate? What does their collection really shine? And uh, so those have been fun to see. Cool. Thanks, Duncan. I appreciate you taking the time and talking with us. Enjoy. My pleasure. Thanks. Also here at the ICE event, uh, we've got some very, very special guests, and I'm really honored to have you two on the show for the first time. Arnie and Marjorie from Star Wars Action News. Uh, Marjorie, uh, tell us about your experience so far at uh, the first International Collector event. I have had a really, really great time. Um, every event has been stellar. I've really enjoyed the party at Wine Worlds and Spirits. I enjoyed the Kessel Run. I really enjoyed seeing Ryan's collection because I've known Ryan for a number of years. I've never been and seen his collection. It w well, first of all, it's exciting to go and see his collection and then to actually see it. He has literally toys everywhere. There are toys in his bathroom. And I was like, holy crap, don't you worry about steam. He had toys in the kitchen. Star Wars toys. We need to clarify Star Wars toys. <laughs> it, it was so much fun. And it, it was nice because I knew Ryan and got to see, because his little album on Facebook is, no, you didn't see me playing with my toys again or something like that. And I always think it's cute when he posts those. And to see it, it's just mind-boggling how many toys he's got. And he's got great dioramas set up. So that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun seeing Gus's collection again. I've seen Gus's collection before. And to go again and just hang out with everybody, it's, it's great seeing you again. I haven't seen you for about a year, I guess. And meeting some new people and having a lot of fun. Yeah, and Arnie, what about you? What's your, what's, what's your impression of uh, the Seattle collecting community and the ICE event in general? Well, my impression of the Seattle collecting community, it's unfair that such a group of fun, talented individuals with a love of Star Wars have all congregated in one geographic location because the other 49 states are missing out. I think that up here, the Sarlacc group is one of the best. We are lucky. I kind of feel like we were the beta testers for the ICE event because we came up here last May and we actually didn't plan on imposing on any of you. But we <laughs> came up because I like Twin Peaks and I saw that hotel and I went, hey, that would be a good 10th wedding anniversary location is Sequamee Falls. And Marjorie loves mountains. So we decided we'd come up and do some sightseeing. And we just posted on Facebook. And Ryan and Amy and Gus were all like, oh, we're, you got to go on this toy run. And you've got to go see Gus's collection. And it was all like, 
what are you sure we don't want to impose on any of it's a weekday we know you have to work and we got a chance to go and see several of your collections including yours and gus's and got to do this toy run and then amy was telling us that on memorial day which was a little bit after you guys started thinking about having this big event and so i feel like we were like the pilot program and so coming back so soon and getting to see even more of it and all of this has just been an astounding experience and I, I feel a little bit privileged to know so many of you from the previous visit and be able to feel like it's a reunion. You know, like one of the things about San Diego Comic-Con and Celebration is you see the friends that you usually only see at those events. And here I'm seeing people who don't go to those events, but who I met last year when I came up and met so many Sarlacc folk and getting to see them again. It has just been an amazing time. And I thank you all for all the work that was put into it. Thank you. So uh, I, I'm going to go to Marjorie here, but uh, one of the things I have discovered doing this ICE event is Tom is a, an outsider here in that uh, there's a lot of people who do still love Bendems beside me. And uh, Marjorie happens to be one of the people who's, who's loving Bendems, and I guess Arnie does too. Here you go, Arnie. A lot of people? I, I, I would like to see you define the word lot. I see one person beside you who loves Bendems, but a lot of people. I mean, if I go to eBay and they say we're selling a lot of figures, it's not usually two figures. Let's not get crazy here, everybody. <laughs> when, when I say a lot, I'm saying more than I was expecting, that's for sure. I, I know I've I've talked with several of the collectors, even um, more of those those vintage era collectors who still get into the Bendems, and I've been handing out my Bendems buttons here, and, and they're like, oh yeah, I remember the Bendems. Let, let's not get and And as most of us do remember, back in 93, that was about one of the only things that we could buy were the Bendems. So, so Marjorie, would you like to talk a little bit about the Bendems? Absolutely. I think they're the finest collectible ever produced, and they are tremendous. Marjorie, you're looking at me when you're talking about Bendems. I'll just leave the room, and I'll come back in a few months. I'm going to echo his line. Let's not go too far here. <laughs> Bendems rock. No one admits they like it. That's true, because you say, remember 1993 when there weren't that many Star Wars collectibles out there. I remember 1993 very well and going to the stores and going, yep, not buying that. Oh, come on, Arnie. What if they made a Bendem's Howard the Duck? Would you be totally into that? You don't understand. I have a complete collection of Bendem's at this point, thanks to Marjorie. I am, I think we're only missing a couple. I'm not saying I wouldn't buy the stuff, but that doesn't mean I like the stuff. I mean, how much crap do I buy that I don't like? I, for listeners who haven't listened to our show, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at SWActionNews.com, the Star Wars Collecting Podcast running since 2005. I think we were the first Star Wars Collecting Podcast on the web. So if you check that out, you'll find I bought the Star Wars Choppers. Do you remember the Star Wars Customs Choppers, which was Luke, Vader, and Boba Fett on tricked-out motorcycles? That's even more on love than Bendems because I mean I got those and so sometimes yes there, there's the so bad it's good era the, on this trip we did a toy run and we went to Lynn's toy stable and that was an amazing trip but I got peer pressured into buying some really horrible bootlegs and I bought them because it was a so bad I had to have it kind of thing I'm sorry but no one no one in this room or any room in the world thinks that choppers are this so bad it's a good thing they just suck I think once we admit that, we're all going to be able to move on with our lives. I will say choppers are still better than Angry Birds Star Wars. I'm just going to go out oh, on that. Oh, that's bad. That's harsh. Oh, boy. I don't know. Angry At least there were less of the customs choppers. Angry Birds Star Wars has lasted longer. Sadly. How long did the Bendems last? Those lasted a few years, too, right? So Bendems lasted until, what, Hasbro started putting out figures, and then I think they 
folded soon after that. I definitely remember, at least through the first full year of Power of the Force 2, the Bendhams were still stocking and still putting them out, and they were right there next to each other on the shelf for at least a year, maybe even into 97. Ryan, at the, at, at the, during the Kessel Run, didn't you hand out some, some pins that were kind of related to Bendhams? Yes, I had my own uh, one-inch buttons that I handed out that had the little uh, Bendhams emblem from the card packaging. I believe I posted a pic on the Facebook page last week of them. And it has a little droid that looks very similar to 2-1-B. Uh, and it says uh, bendable collectibles. Anybody have the pin here? <laughs> I don't remember what it says. I don't have, I don't have mine either. <laughs> All right. So speaking of handouts and giveaways, there were a lot of them at this event, especially for kind of more of a private type event. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Arnie, out of all of, of all the exclusives, what sticks out to you as one of the you know your favorite? Listen, I have a hard time picking because every single thing given out here was so incredible and I don't want anybody to feel like theirs was lesser because I mean the Ewok pin given out at the the screening of Return of the Jedi the pewter pin was just incredible and the etched glasses from the meet and greet at the winery was great but I have to say if there's one thing that just made my jaw drop in the how did they do that category it has to be Gus Lopez with the Viewmaster because I just 3D pictures of his collection. My immediate, it went to my geek center of my brain like, I must know how the camera was set up. I must know how the film was processed. I must know every detail about how this came to be. So that was the most vexing out of just an entire plethora of coolness. It's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I happened to, uh, I wasn't involved necessarily with the uh, the putting together the Viewmasters, but I did hear how it all got put together. We originally were trying to take 3D pictures of things and make that work, and we tried and we tried and we tried, and it just it wouldn't work, and we sent them to the company. They said it wouldn't work, and ultimately what Gus did is he took a picture and then moved his camera over three inches and took another picture to get both images, and the company that then put them together in the Viewmaster reel were able to combine those two images to create a 3D image on that. And it seems so simple when you look at that, and yet it looks—it really does look awesome. Those Viewmaster picks just look so amazing. Marjorie, any uh, any favorites as far as the the giveaways or the exclusives? I really, 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 really love the wicket that came from the Return of the Jedi screening. That is truly a one of a kind piece. Um, I love the story behind it about how you guys forgot to put the pin on it before it set, so it's just kind of like a little statue or whatever. It's it's really cool. I really like it, and I love the fact that there was a passport to go to all the events and every place I went I got a stamp for either Sarlacc Port of Call when we did the Kessel Run or each event had its own little personal stamp and that was a lot of fun and really hit the completionist in a lot of people I think it's a nice little memento that is something other than the cool stuff going away okay and again I'd really want to thank you too for uh, taking your time to uh, give us your impressions of the event thanks for having us on love your show our Reporter Jerry was on previously and vouched for you guys. Of course, I knew you guys, but he, he told me it wasn't an ambush, so <laughs> thank you very much. Not an ambush. What do you think they're going to do? Confront you about the choppers? Hey, you know, thank you for having us on, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. We've got Stephen Danley and Sky Payne, or is it Sky Payne and Stephen Danley, guys? Anyway, um, isn't it Stephen B. Danley? Thank you. Oh, got it. Sorry about that. So... I was on their podcast, Episode 4, if you guys remember that. If you don't, go to Episode 4 and definitely check out the Kivecast. So, 
Guys, I wanted to ask you, uh, Sky, I'll start with you first. We're doing the ICE interviews. Um, we're kind of grabbing people as they walk by, but we definitely wanted to get you guys and talk with you guys a little bit. What would you say is the uh, probably the right now the most outstanding experience you've had in the last few days here at uh, in Seattle? Well, it's hard to say because it's there's so much here. There's just been so much here that, you know, often maybe once a year I'll see a really amazing collection and then just to see so many in a short period of time, it's hard to say. So I don't want to like say, oh, it was cooler seeing Gus's than it was seeing, you know, uh, Vic and Lisa's. So I'd have to say probably this morning, just going to the, because I got to eat, you know, pie at the Twin Peaks pie place, which I didn't even know was anywhere near here. And then we got to watch uh, Return of the Jedi and like, I don't know, I, I, I leaned over to the person I was sitting next to and I just said like, this is a great movie, and I was really cool, because it's pretty rare when all you do is think about the toys to just really remember what great movies they are. But uh, that was like the most kind of everyone together moment, because this is like the, the convention without all the bad stuff, like the convention. <laughs> now I'm going to go to Stephen B. Danley and, and ask, him the, ask him the exact same question. I mean, it's, it's hard to really pick a moment, but... Um, for the sake of the podcast, let, let's pick one. I gotta say, it, it was also this morning, but it was the transition from seeing a good sneak peek of Brian Stillman's Plastic Galaxy transitioning right into seeing Return of the Jedi, which all of a sudden looked like an hour or two hour toy commercial in the best possible way. Um, now, today, this morning, just getting into that, this little town up here, it was just beautiful for one, but then you get in there to this old theater, which is still standing, still showing, a, you know, we got a 35-millimeter print of Return of the Jedi, which is something you don't see that often. Um, but no, it, the other thing, too, is just the, the centralization of great Star Wars in Seattle. Like, I, I can't think of a place that has this much within such a short driving distance. It's like a nonstop experience. So guys, I've got to ask you, uh, is the next ice event going to be uh, on the East Coast sky or maybe in California, Steve? What do you What do you think? Uh, we've been talking a lot about this, a lot with the New York guys, a lot with the DC guys, uh, even the California guys. We've actually agreed that it's actually just going to be a Seattle thing. So uh, you guys came up with it. So we're not saying every year, but every other year, maybe when there's not a celebration. The rest of the collectors have all agreed. We haven't talked to any of the Sarlacc folks, but we've all agreed this is where it'll be every year because you, you just have it so down. So I, I don't know uh, if you agree with that, Steve. So you're saying you're not going to invite us all out to the Chewsium and check out all the, the Chewy-related stuff? Everybody's invited on an individual basis, but uh, I don't think our house could accommodate 110 people staring at uh, my collection, which is unfortunately sitting next to my washer-dryer. Uh, at the moment, so it, it would be pretty crowded. Although I, I will say, for those of you who have not been to Rochester, New York, uh, it is the home of the National Toy Hall of Fame, and it's worth going to, because that's where toys go when they go, uh, what the heaven? <laughs> out to pasture? Anyways, and Star Wars was not was elected last year, so you can check that out. I was just saying, yeah, it, it's the centralization thing. Like, <laughs> trying to get Californians that live in San Francisco and, and Los Angeles together is, is tough enough, so to get everyone in one place... Not just the people that live in the state, but to get everyone, I don't know. I think it maybe just be the California laziness kicking in, but it, I think this is this is the spot to be. I agree with Sky. I gotta I gotta say, let's just do it here every year. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just hope we have another one of these real soon. So, uh, Stephen Sky, thanks for thanks for joining us. I sure appreciate it. All right, thanks. Keep it up. You know, it's uh, it's awesome that there's more of these uh, podcasts being made, and uh, yeah, just. Keep it up, and thanks to everyone in 
Seattle. And thanks for like making me feel nervous for being on a podcast. Because I think this is the first podcast I've ever been on, like intentionally. Like I've like left messages and stuff, but I'm like legitimately nervous. And it's like, what? This is like one of the things I do. But Steve, you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, it's it's like Chris Farley and that SNL skit. I'm just like, remember, remember that, <laughs> remember that. Did you see Terminator Two? It was. <laughs> All right, thanks again, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. And uh, remember to check out the Kivecast. Uh, really great group of guys. Oh, or is it the Vintage Pod? Exactly. Check them out. They've got their own awesome guests, so they're great. Thanks again, guys. Talking to Mateus, uh, you helped with some of the design, uh, some logo work, and some other things. Tell us about what you did to contribute to the ICE event. Yeah. Okay, first of all, uh, thanks for having me here and uh, foremost, thanks for having me at the ICE event. This is like probably the best event ever created in the like, I've been to celebration since 2004 and this one is like so much better than everything else. Uh, and for, one, for once I wasn't that involved, I usually am very involved in design work. You guys have so talented guys here, you got Kurt, you got Mike. And the swag uh, here is amazing. But I helped uh, Gus Lopez with his new logotype for his uh, Baba Cabana reopening. Uh, so I did his logo and I helped sponsor the amazing uh, Death Star playset based on the Pelotoy playset. That's what I did. And all of the other time I was just enjoying myself drinking some wine and soft drink. So it's your logo that's on the, uh, the t-shirts, the Boba Cabana t-shirts, uh, the, the glasses and everything else that he's uh, been handing out or, or, or has available at the Boba Cabana. Um, how does it feel to see people walking around with uh, your t-shirt design? It feels great. It's like it's the best collectors and guys and, and gals in the whole world. Uh, it's cool to do that. I make the kind of stuff like this for a living, so I'm I'm used to see my own work like in the stores or on the billboards and stuff. But to combine the work with my passion and and hobby, that's amazing. So I'm more pleased to see the logotype on 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 the t-shirts than uh, and a campaign on a billboard. And so we're now four days into this event. What uh, what has been the highlight for you so far? Well, usually when you go to conventions. There's so many people, so many people you want to meet from the forums. You want to talk to everyone. Here's like, okay, here's like 120 people at the time. But at conventions, there's twice as much at least that, that you want to meet and talk to. Here you got the chance to talk to your friends. That's the, that's the coolest thing about this event. Sharing room with my best friends in the hobby, talking my, with my best friends in the hobby making new friends, like locals, people I haven't see, uh, met before. That's absolutely the best thing. Uh, and then, now we're recording at, at <laughs> Vic and Lisa's place, and uh, I'm blown away. Uh, yesterday was like Baba Cabana, and I don't know what to say. It's like, it's too much. You can't take it in. So, of course, the collection itself are amazing, and your guys' generosity. But, like, I have to say the friendship. 
meeting all of you guys, friends. Uh, so thank you very much, Mateus, for taking time to talk to us. Hope you enjoy the rest of the ice event. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, uh, I'm here with Bill McBride. And uh, what Bill, what I'd like to talk to you about is this crazy toy run that uh, happened um, yesterday. And uh, I, I heard you have a few stories that maybe you could share with us. Can you, uh, can you tell us about uh, what, uh, what transpired yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had gone on the extended toy run uh, part of the event sequence and went out to a great place in Aberdeen. We got there. Um, to be honest, it wasn't quite the nice that I was expecting to see. It was uh, it was a little on the eclectic, random, uh, old mom and pop sort of antique side of stuff. But uh, you know, nice shop, very nice, very nice store owner. Uh, you know, enjoyed talking to him. And it's it sort of the expectation level wasn't quite as high. Uh, I was just looking for some little things. And lo and behold, in the back, uh, he had a, a special case where he had put his more clearly high valuable items and I thought that I recognized what uh, what looked like a double telescoping Vader and I have a good amount of experience with those and asked him if I could check it out I did he promptly handed it over to me didn't look at me twice and walked away so I'm standing there with this fairly expensive figure in my hand looking at it took it apart came back about five minutes later and I said well you know I, I would really like to check this out in the sunlight to see what it looked like and he's like yeah 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 so I again took this multiple thousand dollar item walked out of the store with it on the busy sidewalk to look at it in the sunlight and you know I was able to verify it was authentic and uh yeah anybody who's been uh down at the Star Wars store in Aberdeen is is I don't think there are words that can explain the experience exactly Bill, can you explain to us exactly what a double telescoping lightsaber is? Yeah, absolutely. The The double telescoping design in, in function is similar to an old-style radio, radio antenna. It telescopes in and out of itself. Uh, it only does it in two sections, hence the double terminology. If you look at one of your random old figures and you have the saber that comes out and the little thin tip that remains, which really doesn't have a purpose, that is the original purpose behind it. That would have been the thin part of the saber that telescoped out. Uh, the reason Kenner cut it was, first of all, it was ex more expensive to make. It's a two-step you know, two process. It did require a little bit of hand finishing, so it didn't quite streamline into the production process. And, of course, being what they are, they are very fragile. So, ultimately, it was a very, very quick fix for Kenner. We're just, hey, we can't do this double thing. We're just going to make it a single piece. Uh, Luke's, Luke's are... Uh, I, I would say borderline uh, common terminology. Uh, I would give them that definition. Uh, the reasonable It's reasonable to expect to find a good example. Um, Vader is the next. Uh, there's about 25 known examples. Uh, ben is exceptionally rare. There's about 12. Uh, so they're, they're pretty tough pieces. The figure, as I had checked it over, I think it took me probably from the experience itself. I checked it over about five times. I deemed that it was authentic, and it... it had a good price on it, but as we had walked in the store, the first thing that the owner said was, everything's 50% off. So I took the gentleman at his word, and I asked him if that was the case with this specific figure because it was, uh, it was expensive, and he said, absolutely. And, of course, having done this for a while, my immediate follow-up was, can you do any better? And he did. Um, so I had the figure in hand. We had agreed a price. I was ready to pay for it on the spot. And in the process, he had found out that is a possibility of Steve Sandsweet visiting. 
And apparently Steve had done a piece, uh, I think in 96 or 97, specifically about his shop. Well, the owner became super excited, just absolutely over the top, promptly announced that he had to get ready for Steve's arrival and said, I think something along the lines of, I need to go get my camera or I have to go get one and walked out of the store. <laughs> and um, it's a little unusual for me. And as I'm standing there holding this really expensive figure, and I think he's known me all of about 20 minutes, he walked out of his store and was gone for, yeah, he was gone for about 20 minutes finally came back uh, i think he was in preparation mode for steve's you know arrival and for the figure walked out and very very happy purchase was made awesome that i'm sure that'll be a crazy star wars memory you're gonna have for quite a long time so i have another question for you as that is a, a amazing memory of the weekend um is there anything else uh, that we've done so far that, that sticks out as maybe number two for you? You know, as, as far as this weekend is concerned, um, I've been collecting for a very long time, and I've been all over the world doing this, and I have to say this weekend is really beyond amazed, surprised. Just been an amazing experience. Um, the deeply, deeply humbled by, by what the amount of work, uh, the amount of time that everybody put in to make this an amazing event um absolutely once once in a lifetime and once in a lifetime event i'm just just i'm humbled at the moment i'm still still having a great time and just absolutely loving every second of it cool well thanks for joining us bill i appreciate it you know we've talked a lot on um, facebook and uh, uh i really i'm glad that we finally got to meet so thanks for joining us thanks for having me i'm very glad to meet you in person and uh, i'd like to personally apologize to everybody that's hearing us from seattle um i know there's probably borderline hatred going on at the moment and i'll try to <laughs> try to <laughs> i will uh i will endeavor to make it up to you in the future but uh, thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. So I am here with uh, Steve Sansweet, which I, I don't know. Does he really need an introduction to our listeners? Uh, <laughs> um, but we're, we're very happy to have uh, Steve Sansweet on our show. So, Steve, what do you think of everything we've got here going on ice right now? Ice. I'm on ice. I mean, this has been, I'm sure as other people have said to you, the, the most amazing weekend. I think it's something that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. And and it's been said before, and I've said it before, and so have others. It's not about the stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, sure, it's, it's what has brought us together and has given us a sense of community because we all love the Star Wars collectibles, the toys, the prototypes, all of those things. But it's the people. It really is. And when you tell somebody who is not a Star Wars fan or a Star Wars collector that it's all about the people, some of them find it hard to believe. And those of us in this room, those of us who are here at this amazing house, know that that's really what it is. And I talk to people and, and we talk about Star Wars collecting and I, oh yeah, you know you high-end collectors, you know, you're, you're probably stabbing each other in the back, and you do all these things behind it. And I said, you know, there are a couple of people in the world like that, not the people I deal with. It's it's a real community. It's people. You know, Gus goes to Iceland. He looks for cereal boxes for Duncan and me too. So it's uh, it's been an amazing weekend, and uh, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, that the members of Sarlacc were willing to put all of this work and thought and effort and money into inviting 
collectors from around the world here. Well, I thank you for that. As being a member of Sarlacc and uh, all of us here on Galaxy Toys are, um, we've we've really enjoyed putting it together uh, for what we did. I think most of us weren't heavily involved necessarily, but in getting things prepared for this, uh, uh, we uh, it's been a pleasure for us to see, have all you folks come in. We see you guys at conventions, but to have kind of a, a smaller group that we get to kind of just enjoy. Um, I do have to ask this question. I know Tom will probably uh, kick me for it later or something. So, Steve, what do you think of Bendems, the old Bendems from the 90s? <laughs> Bendems, those Bendems. I'm having a problem remembering Bendems. These were the original Star Wars sex toys? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, 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 Bendems from Just Toys, yeah. Well, you know, I lived through the period... The interregnum, the 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 dark era, where there were basically no no Star Wars toys, no Star Wars collectibles of any kind from about 1986 through 1994, and then all of a sudden, you know, even before the internet, we started hearing this. There's some new Star Wars figures. Oh my God! And you go to Toys R Us, and you look in the aisle. What the hell are these? <laughs> Bendems, and you know, at that time it was still a couple of years before I went to work for Lucasfilm, but I knew a lot of people, so I found out. And you know, this happened to be a license; they were ready. Hasbro wasn't, um, and um, and so we started collecting these like crazy because there was nothing else. This was, this was, you know filling that need that we had for seven, eight years that there was nothing. And even though these were the strangest looking, I mean, just contortion figures. And then, I mean, on top of it all, it got even worse. We found out, wait a second, Walmart has a different packaging version. <laughs> the bubble is square. And so, and I was crazy along with everybody else because, you know, that was the start of the new era of collecting, of going to Toys R Us, not once a week, but sometimes two or three times a week. Is there new stuff here? You know, not understanding quite, you know, how retail refills and all that kind of stuff. And, and buying Bendems because there was nothing else. I mean, nobody actually in their right mind collects Bendems, do they? <laughs> I think that uh, we, we can all at least agree, even though the quality of the Bendems wasn't the best item, when they did those coins toward the very end and they had the X-Wing, Millennium Falcon, I believe the TIE Fighter, those are really neat coins. And then there were the limited tops cards. And, of course, I've been collecting the tops things, and then all of a sudden they have tops cards lettered A to ZZY. And I went, oh, you dirty sons of guns. I mean, you're forcing me to rebuy these same things in nine packs and you know so yeah i collected all the bendems and every variation and all the different packaging sizes whatever i could find but i know for a certainty that nobody these days actually collects bendems or looks for bendems <laughs> because they're just i mean you'd have to be a little insane no you have to be a lot insane steve when when <laughs> When Ryan asked you this question, um, no one can see what I did because it's right 
it's a podcast right see so it's all sound it's the it's the yeah so when when ryan asks you a question about bendems he doesn't care about the answer he's asking to pull my chain it's a it's my hot button and i really appreciate you answering because what i came away with what you just said was poignant and amazing but from what I understand is you cannot stand Bendems. Is that is that right? <laughs> no, that's not right because I'm pulling your chain and that's why I answered the question. <laughs> not at all. No, you know, I'm you know, I'm a softie for all the stuff. And um yeah, strange as Bendems were, they were the beginning. They were the beginning of the Renaissance and I for one was thrilled to throw my money away. And, yeah, I, I had met the Just Toys people, and they were a little, what can I say, I'm sure they're still around. So, I mean, not the company, maybe, but it was a strange company, and they were, and this product was strange. And, and the fact that Lucasfilm was, you know, had okayed this. But, again, what nobody realized behind the scenes was, even though Kenner had this lifetime, in perpetuity, worldwide contract to do Star Wars toys. All they had to do was meet one of two parameters, and they were very simple. I don't want to go into details. But Hasbro bought Kenner, and then one year, somebody goofed, and they didn't meet one of these two parameters, which is why it was a free-for-all, and there was no longer an in-perpetuity toy licensee. And it was up for grabs, and that's when... All the stuff was happening with Kenner, uh, Hasbro then, um, which had bought Kenner in the in the early 90s. Hasbro, Mattel, um, Playmates. Um, and so while all this was happening behind the scenes and there was this competition to come up with, you know, what everybody thought was going to be the second coming, even though it, it, George had sort of already announced in a way that there would be new movies and everybody expected Star Wars to be re-released, although nobody expected it to be the kind of amazing hit it was along with Empire and Jedi. There was this void that could be filled with a temporary license, and that's exactly what Just Toys was. And yeah, you know, I probably haven't looked at Just Toys in a while. I don't know where my boxes of Just Toys um, Bendems are, but I've got them, and and they hold a place in Star Wars history, and it, it they're you know they're they're sort of just kooky, but um but they filled that important hole for that year and a half before we saw the first uh, action figures come back, and then the first action figures were such a disappointment <laughs> because because you know Hasbro convinced Lucasfilm that every figure needed to look like He-Man or a Superpowers or something like that, or the kids wouldn't buy them. Not taking into account that you know they now had a collector's market on their hands, and collectors were a powerful, powerful voice. Moving on from Bendems, just to talk a little bit about ICE. We've been talking to a lot of people who've been coming in, and, and really, what what is the thing that stands out here for you as far as, you know, what was kind of the coolest moment or the, the, the most interesting thing that you've seen here at ICE this weekend? Well, I've known for years that Seattle was sort of the black hole, vortex, Bermuda Triangle of high-end Star Wars collecting, and... And so I knew a lot of collectors. I'd been up here 
a bunch of times on business in the early 2000s. But frankly, I haven't been up to Seattle, I think, for 10 or 12 years. And, you know, I was I was at the house that we're in. I don't know how specific we're getting, but, you know, as it was finished being built and as some of the things we're in, we're sitting in this magnificent two-story library, which didn't have a book on the shelves at the time that I was here, and just a few of the items were in. And to come back and see, you know, what it is now and see... Um, Gus and Pam's place and and to see Vic and Lisa's place and to see some of the other the smaller focus collections that we've had the opportunity to do in our Kessel run to go to a movie theater today and see a screening of a 35 millimeter print of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, watching Return of the Jedi in the theater, the original 35 millimeter cut was a highlight for me for sure too steve thanks so much for being on our show we really appreciate it well that's going to wrap up our coverage of seattle ice the international collectors event i want to thank my co-host tonight tom from igrowupstarwars.com our good friend from bendems to the black series ryan and also chris from jedibusiness.com no you didn't hear him on the show tonight but he was with us the entire time remember you can contact us uh, you can email at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com or contact us on Facebook, facebook.com slash galaxyoftoys. Remember, if you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help other collectors find our show. I'd like to thank everyone involved in the ICE event, and specifically Earl Bergquist, conceptual creature designer, Deanna Bach, costumes, Lauren Bach, stunts, Nancy Bach, wardrobe, Mike Demain, art director, Jim Gibbons, casting, Pam Green, producer, Kurt Hanks, set designer, Gus Lopez, executive producer, Jason Luttrell, yes, that's me, copy editor, Amy Schoberg, property master, Lisa Stevens, cinematographer, Michael Stewart, carpenter, Tom Stewart, Boom Operator, Don Wiedner, Special Effects, Randy Wiedner, Sound, and Vic Works, Film Editing. Well, that's it for tonight, so good night, but not goodbye. Just one more round, friend, then homeward bound, friend, don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend, and then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend. Yes, it's a crime, friend. But you know time, friend. Time can fly. So it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye.